And I've done some weird stuff in my time. There's like a record scratch. That is literally my whole jam. It's important taxonomically. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that's been on vogue for months now. I'm Kelly Anakin. <laughs> and I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. I don't snore, I promise. Uh, you do sometimes, and yeah. I elbow you in the ribs, and that usually does the job. Right. So, you know, that that counts the same, basically. Yeah, I guess so. It's funny, because I used to be much nicer about it, but now <laughs> I'm just like, wham! Yeah, well, I'd never remember it when it happened, so like, it Great. doesn't seem to matter. Great, yeah. good. Then uh, I think we've got a really healthy marriage going. All right, this has been our marriage tips yep. section. Yep, just elbow your spouse, and if they don't remember, you're meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just whatever the dispute. Start yeah. by elbowing. Yeah. And again, if they don't remember, you're fine. Right. Hi, cousins. Hello. Welcome back. Uh, we are now recording in... The Col- jury's still out on how we feel about Columbia, South Carolina. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're in a very uh, pleasant hotel room. Yeah. It's a nice hotel room. Yeah. With a picture of like the state house or something. Yeah, and that's uh, the theater on the uh, University of South Carolina campus okay, over there. Great. It's real nice if you could see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're trying to give them the local flavor yeah. of our hotel room. Well, the local flavor is really the place that we had breakfast today. Yeah. Where in, in your bathroom, there was a sign that read... That read, uh, wash your hands and say your prayers because germs and Jesus are everywhere. And in my bathroom, it said, hot water gets extremely hot. Be real careful. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is uh, practical. Yeah, it's definitely, it's not as whimsical. No, didn't rhyme. No, it didn't rhyme. Didn't yeah. rhyme. But uh, yeah, they had terrible bacon. <laughs> the bacon was bad. Wow. Great F meat. Uh, <laughs> it was disappointing. But, you know, the other stuff was good. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't have any bacon and I had a perfectly pleasant experience yeah, excellent. with my Monte Cristo crepes. So uh, if you ever go to La Peep mm-hmm. Cafe. Or a diner. Something. It seemed more cafe-ish to me. Well, fair enough. Like, I think if you have mimosas as an option, you're automatically upgraded to cafe <laughs> from diner. Fair enough. Although, I don't even think that's true. Yeah, that doesn't quite make sense. Because we but... once went that one place in New York where they had, like, egg cream or whatever, and I'm pretty sure you could get mimosas there. Oh, yeah. You could get a lot of things there. Yeah. That, that was place, great. That place was nice. Yeah, that was in Astoria. We also recommend a random place in Astoria. The name of which we don't know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, this has been the restaurant criticism portion. Uh, at any rate, so, because of our travels, in our limited amount of time for uh, podcasting yeah. and editing right. and podcasting. <laughs> uh, we're doing the second episode of Upstairs, Downstairs. Yeah. So we're sorry. We're going to get our shit together. Yeah. We promise. But in the meantime, this has been a uh, kind of, you know, it's been a surprisingly pleasant experience. Yeah, it's like, really, like this episode in particular really grew on us. Yeah. Um, but before we get to that, it's time to announce our cousin of oh, the week. Yes. Cousin Doug writes, Dear Up Yours Downstairs, Luncheon in. I've been listening to your podcast a few years. Tumblr had a link and I saw that you were doing Manor House, one of my favorite reality shows. The Hawaii season was the last real world series I watched regularly, so the title Ruthie Got Alcohol Poisoning was a good sign that I would get your pop culture references. <laughs> Aside, boom! <laughs> Writing a decent-sized letter has always been difficult for me. I thought I had a good topic when you did your Anne of Green Gables episode. You actually asked for my story, as I have had croup. Basically, it is a heavy cough with a lot of what Lady Mary would call stuff in the throat. (laughs) I got it almost every winter growing up. Then, as an adult, one of the smokers in my workplace would make fun of me. He'd ask what was wrong. I'd say croup. Then he'd look at me, almost pityingly, and say, only kids get croup. 
Okay, that's not much of a story. <laughs> but then your episodes on the secret garden and upstairs downstairs gave me an idea. How about another episode where Tom can't go one sentence without inadvertently giving Kelly a song cue? When James Cagney came up on the upstairs downstairs episode, that was a sign to suggest his last movie, Ragtime. It came out in the early 80s, and I remember that movie, Excalibur, and Bon Voyage, Charlie Brown, and Don't Come Back were basically all HBO showed when my parents first started subscribing. Ragtime takes place in the Edwardian era, but in America, so it probably wouldn't be a good fit this year because of the focus on, because of the focus on the British Empire. If you ever have time, however, here are the opportunities for Kelly to burst into song. One, Ragtime was also made into a musical years after the movie came out, so there are near-constant opportunities to belt a song from that musical. Aside, oh, it's on. <laughs> Possibly even in this episode of this podcast. Because the people called it Ragtime. Two, Randy Newman did the soundtrack for the movie, so if you don't like the musical songs, Kelly can always substitute selections from his other movies. Three, James Cagney won the Oscar for the musical Yankee Doodle Dandy, which is about George M. Cohen, who composed a lot of the patriotic songs popular in the U.S. during the Edwardian era. Doesn't Kelly want to demonstrate her love of her country through song? Aside, duh. (laughs) Number four, Mandy Patinkin has a sizable role, providing plenty of opportunities for show tunes and references to The Princess Bride. The other great thing about Ragtime is it has a 20-year-old Elizabeth McGovern, so you can both make the ever-popular Sadie and the Hotheads jokes. Her performance in this movie also answers the questions on nobody's mind. (laughs) One, has she always talked like she does on Downton Abbey? Two, is she basing Cora on Mary Steenburgen's portrayal of an upper-class Edwardian wife? Three, why did McGee tell Lord Grantham to dream of Ragtime in 1922, years after its popularity had waned and after it had been replaced by jazz? Like Tom, I reply on Wikipedia, mainly because I have no interest in hunting down Encyclopedia Britannica volumes on eBay. The answer is Julian Fellows sacrificed historical accuracy for a lame inside joke. The only downside is that as the movie goes on, it might be difficult to keep things humorous in light of recent events in Ferguson and far too many other places in America these days. Then again, your podcasts on the Titanic and World War I were pretty funny. Even the actual events themselves were not, with the notable exception of Franz Ferdinand's assassination. (laughs) Finally, a possible Easter egg might indicate this movie is in continuity with Downton Abbey, as both feature a Gutenberg Bible. Perhaps it is a much better inside joke from Fellows, highlighting Lord Grantham's incompetence at managing the estate's assets. I can go with that. Congratulations on 20 minutes to sell from your incompetently conniving but constantly forgiven footman, Doug. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Doug. Yeah, that was a um, great email. And also, thanks a lot, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of cousin would do such a thing? Right. Why, Why I do- <laughs> in God's name is my husband not here? So obviously... I'm such a fool. <laughs> So obviously I don't know the details of the Gutenberg Bible in Ragtime, but I do like to think that it is Lord Grantham's librarian took it there. Yeah, it's just like peace. (laughs) No, actually, I'd love to do Ragtime. I'm not sure when exactly. Probably after we do our full-length Downton stuff since we're way behind on all the other stuff we said we would do. Yes, we are. But I read the novel, which I liked okay, although it has the thing that I find in a lot of like contemporary adult literature mm-hmm. where there's like a weird very detailed description of flaccid male genitalia oh wow well, look, i first noticed this in the book snow falling on cedars okay because there's like a dead body and the coroner's like talking about the penis of the dead body and i'm like why well and i mean i'm generally pro nudity <laughs> yes but like it's just it's weak because i mean it, it's not like there's never any other detailed description of any part of anybody else's body mm-hmm. but it's like these authors are like why well, just i i better 
you know, from E.L. Doctorow to the guy that wrote Snow Song on Cedars. <laughs> yep, that's pretty much the gamut of Western literature. Are you the guy who wrote Snow Falling on Cedars? Do you know the name of the guy who wrote Snow Falling on Cedars? If so, we want to hear your story. Right. Um, yeah, but the musical is great. Emma Goldman's in it. Okay. Yeah, she's great, man. Sure. Yeah, she was like hella feminist. I'm aware. Yeah. Uh, so she's I in like there. Ragtime. There's a bunch of bombs and stuff that go off. There, There is racial strife, well, which yeah. is really prescient. True. Uh, yeah. The guy that invented uh, The Little Rascals is in it. <laughs> I wonder if that's who Mandy Patinkin plays. Anyway. Yeah. I've never seen the movie. Clearly. Would love to, All apparently. Right. Yeah. So well. Uh, we'll make that happen. That's great. Great. <laughs> uh, so congratulations cousin doug yes. your long time listening first time writing has paid off handsomely yeah well done yeah uh if you would like to send us a telegram you can write to up yours downstairs at gmail.com you can send us a carrier pigeon aka tweet we're at five maggie smiths that's at five the number five maggie smiths or you can find us on facebook just search up yours downstairs exclamation point yes whether you're a long time listener or you just started eight minutes into this random podcast episode for some reason you're still welcome yeah man you must be confused <laughs> please keep listening yeah don't stop right there's a lot of good stuff happening <laughs> um yeah so that brings us to episode two mm-hmm. of upstairs downstairs which right. i might actually be able to get the name right on we'll see uh <laughs> Uh, the ladybird. Yes. Keeping with our avian, although a ladybird is actually a ladybug. Right. So. So don't get confused. Yeah. Don't get it you twisted. Know. Yeah. Don't. It's, it's important taxonomically. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's, uh, let's dive right in here. Yeah. Uh, well, we've got a new member of staff, uh, since that other guy, what, did he die or something? What happened to that guy? He, left because he already got arrested yeah Yeah. he got arrested (laughs) what a jerk (laughs) Um. (laughs) what was his name johnny Steele. was it i think it might have been it was johnny something yeah it was johnny something johnny ridiculous pride no i think it was maybe johnny pride yeah hang on i think i actually have notes on it somewhere continue talking i'll see if i can come up with it well yeah well our replacement is named rachel uh, Rachel Perlmutter, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, and she has a, a bit of a German accent. Uh, at breakfast, bad among... news. I don't know what that guy's name. Oh, Johnny Steel Pride. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, yeah. Well, anyway, it, I guess it's really. Look, I yeah. don't think he's ever come back. <laughs> right. So I don't think we need to worry about. Him. I hope not. As fun as his name was, I you know don't really need any more of him. Uh, Percy gets chastised for having squeezed a pimple, uh, but she's also given a nice diamond brooch. Yeah, even though she comes down for breakfast, like, still in her pajamas. Yeah. And looking a fright. <laughs> I was offended. Yeah. On behalf of Solomon the monkey. <laughs> who, again, is allowed to skitter all over the table. And granted, I believe that he's probably a very well-kempt, sanitized monkey. Right. But I still don't want a monkey... Like crawling all over my butter. Yeah, while well, you tell grandma that. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Monkey monkey hair in the butter is fine. <laughs> right. It adds flavor. Um, so yeah, Rachel's got to share her room with uh, Ivy. So Ivy's complaining about it yeah. naturally. She's got to move all of her nail polishes. Right. 
she's complaining about it in front of rachel yeah to mrs buck yeah and also though i'm like what happened to the room that that drunkard vacated right like why can't she just stay in there no once a man has stayed in it no and that's what i really don't understand is like they presumably when old buck was there when she was youthful they had way more servants one yeah i mean they should have way more rooms available right although i guess they did gut the whole place so maybe they didn't oh yeah yeah. when that bathtub fell it took out like five (laughs) servants quarters and their servants (laughs) yeah so percy uh the pimple squeezing was because she's got some curtsy training lined up for preparation to be presented to the king yeah and uh you know so all the uh ladies are there with an older lady who's smoking and uh telling them all how to curtsy Mm -hmm. because that's her that's her job that's what she does yeah she says uh that it's like charm school yeah 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 like this is like high stakes charm school (laughs) right uh but she says to agnes does she have a nickname no, I don't. God, think she's so, so boring. I she hate is. her. Yeah. Anyway, so she tells Agnes that Percy's curtsy is fantastic, and Maud is also there because right. what else is she going to do? Well, maybe write her memoirs. Come uh, on now. Yeah. So, lady with the cigarette, mm-hmm. who just is constantly smoking, like Cruella Deville style. Yeah. It's got a holder and everything. Yeah, yeah. So she's asked Agnes to sit in for the king, and all she has to do is nod impassively and occasionally smile at a particular show of charm. Right. And Maud is. She is off. Mod's like that is literally my whole jam. She's clearly much better suited for oh, that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jesus, Agnes is the commoner, right? Well, actually, no, she's not. But she is from Wales. <laughs> yeah. No, because Percy's no, 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 also right, a lady, right. so they're both yeah, you know yeah. nobility, just from the wrong side of you know the, the channel, River or Severn. Yeah, I believe. I Good think job. That's the border. Yeah, wherever that rift was, <laughs> right in Cardiff. <laughs> yeah, that's the dividing line. <laughs> If you're on the other side of the rift yeah, in time and space. Where are you from? Oh, we can't be seen. <laughs> Horrific. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the point is Agnes throws up. And apparently throws up over everything between there and home. Right. Because it cuts very... to the basement and like all the servants are involved in cleaning. Yeah. Like, well, I don't I know mean, what she did, but man. If, well, look, I mean... Listen, spoiler alert, she's knocked up. Oh, right. Which I figured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's been, you know, a matter of, like, some discussion. Yeah. But even if she hadn't been pregnant, and I say this as, like, somebody who has occasionally been a very heavy smoker. Right. Like, anybody blowing, like, that cigarette smoke in your face for that, like, you would totally puke. Yeah. Like, it's not, don't smoke. Right. Anyone. Especially me. (laughs) Or if we're around people who don't know they're pregnant yet. Mm -hmm. Because then everybody will have to clean up their puke. They sure will. Yeah. Well, and uh, Mrs. Buck is saying she has to, you know, get some bicarb out. Yeah. Uh, That's, you know, baking soda for anybody who's not sure. Right. But uh, Spargo's like, keep that bicarb off my leather seats. (laughs) And it's like, well, uh, what are your choices here? Bicarb or vomit? Well, uh, Jay's fluid is the other choice. Mm -hmm. Whatever that is. It's, um... It sounds disturbing. It does sound but, disturbing. you know. I mean, it sounds very English. Yeah. It's like, oh, get some of old Jay's fluid. <laughs> you know old Jay? He, uh, he makes this stuff. <laughs> from no- his, from his armpit. <laughs> Nobody asks him where it comes from. <laughs> we don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, Rachel comes in, but she's wearing the, uh, the afternoon dress, not the morning dress. Mm. Uh, we also learned that she is from Hamburg. She just came overnight, and Mr. Pritchard is very uh, protective of her. Yes. 
So, yeah, old Ma says that she is going to be taking Agnes's place, since Agnes is ill, at the reception or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's telling Hallam this over the phone and then hangs up without saying goodbye. They all, look, everyone, <laughs> look, Tom, it's never going to change. There's nothing interesting about it. Wait, I know there's nothing interesting about it, but it only takes, like, literally two seconds. Well, and, it, and that's two seconds that, you know, ITV or BBC. They just spent two it. seconds watching her hang up and then just sort of look at herself in the mirror. Whatevs. Just saying. We learn that uh, Rachel, well, they're discussing Rachel downstairs, and Spargo was like, oh, she's a yid. You can tell, because she didn't want to eat whatever it well, was she they were offering. Well, she just, she secretly threw away this tongue sandwich. Right, right. Because the meat wasn't kosher. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so Spargo, that's our, I mean, we kind of already knew. Right. But this is really the first indication of what a complete shitheel Spargo is. Right. Despite Neil Jordan's extremely attractive biceps, which are very much on display this entire episode. They are. But they'll only get him so far. Uh, Agnes is startled to realize that her tiara is missing and is on the verge of calling police when Ma strolls in wearing it. Yeah. So she was like, oh, you were too uh, you were too sick to go get your hair did. So I hadn't gotten my hair did because it takes two hours to weave the tiara into your hair, apparently. Apparently, yeah. And she's like, well, I can't take it out now. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Rachel apparently knows how to clean vomit from fur. She has this whole elaborate thing. No, it wasn't vomit. Oh, it wasn't? No. Uh, that fur had been put away for so long that oh. it had been matted in certain areas. Gotcha. Because Miss Buck was like, uh, what's her name? Wanted her to air it out. Yeah, yeah. She's like, it's matted in some places. So Rachel knew to put some bran in it and then wet the bran and then like shake it out and then brush it. And she was like, it will return its luster. Right. And... Uh, Ivy asks if she worked in a in a fur shop, mm-hmm. and she's like, "No, I have a terrible secret." <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So then it's an awkward car ride with Percy, who doesn't want to go to this stupid thing uh, because that's how she feels about everything. And then Hallam, and then Ma. Yeah, and uh, well, when Hallam gets no, when Ma gets in the car, Hallam's like, "What's that smell?" And that's where you know. Ma says that Agnes puked on the floor rather than her purse because it was suede line. Right. And then Percy suggests that perhaps it's the Jay's fluid. And then Hallam says, no, it smells like mothballs, which is a kind of pretty pointed uh, barb at his mother yes. for having worn this like musty old fur to this big deal event. Right. So she claims not to be able to smell yeah. it. Like a classy old broad. <laughs> Rachel has a silk nightgown. Ivy's impressed. Uh, and uh, apparently she is a widow. And Ivy's like, so I hear you're a widow, eh? So is your husband dead? It's <laughs> like, what? How many definitions of widow did they teach you at that orphanage? <laughs> or were they like, oh, just say, listen, if things don't work out for you somewhere, just go somewhere else and say you're a widow. Right. But then you'd really need to make sure they knew what that meant. Yeah. Like, cause then, like, so tell me about your dead husband. I'm like, dead husband? How dare you? I think that Ivy's orphanarium maybe <laughs> wasn't the best educational environment. Yeah, it could be. 
Uh, but it, it gave her plenty of spunk. So <laughs> she does have that in spades. Right. Honestly, her performance in this reminds me of like seeing a musical theater production of like anything goes <laughs> where the person playing, uh, what's her name? Bonnie or whatever. Uh, Moonface Martin's mall. She has two different names depending on which version you're doing. Okay. And I can't remember what the other name is. That's fine. Anyway, but like where she's like the best part and like she's just like, I know I'm the best part. <laughs> yeah. And like, this, you know, Mira Reed here is like, I'm the best part. I'm the best part. I'm going to sing that song again. Uh, yeah. So that's what's going on here. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Always there with the musical theater analogy. Yep. So Hallam comes home uh, and says that, like, the ball went well or whatever. And Agnes is like, so, uh, dummy, I'm clearly pregnant. And he's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> well, we find out that she's had a miscarriage before in Washington, D.C., and then she gets so freaking melodramatic about yeah. it in a way, like, only rich people can afford to be this sentimental about a miscarriage. Right. Like, poor people have a miscarriage, and they can't, like, cry about it for six months. Yeah. Uh, slash however many years. Right. Well, because she says it's tainted everything, even hope. And I'm like, you need to get your shit together yeah. because like, I understand that it would like be kind of fraught right? at this, you know, it's very, it's very daunting if you've lost a pregnancy to like try to have another pregnancy because you right. have that. But Absolutely. like, come on, like, you know, you wake up every day and be like, I wonder what's for breakfast. <gasps> Nay, <laughs> I daren't hope for eggs. <laughs> Everything is tainted. Especially eggs. <laughs> She thinks that bad. She should have had that bacon. <laughs> Great F meat. Yeah. So late at night, Spargo hears some uh, doings of transpiring by his car. So he heads out and Percy's there smoking. Because she left her cigarettes in the car. Wink. Right. And, and well, beyond that, she says, there was no one to undress me. Yeah. Like. The, she is like she's like somebody who is like trying out to be uh, Blanche Dubois (laughs) in a production of A Streetcar Named Desire and is so bad yeah because she's always just like flouncing around with her like pelvis tilted forward and it's just very weird she's always well I say several times in here that Percy is Percying around yeah and if you've seen the show you'll recognize that she's a bit much yeah she really is uh, but they discuss Sir Oswald Mosley, the fascist leader who was at the ball they were at, uh, along with some water ice. Which is a sorbet. Right. Which is a dumb name for sorbet. Yeah. Because the most important thing about sorbet is that it has things besides water and ice right. in it. Yeah. But I mean, you can, like, if Mussolini was doing things and they weren't super fond of Italy at the time, you know, it would be like freedom fries. Well, you know? All right. All right like, uh, well, we're not calling it sorbet anymore. We're calling it water ice yes. because that's the first thing we thought of. Right. And we're not super keen on freedom either. We're not, <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to go too far there. Monarchy ices. <laughs> yeah. So they just uh, flirt about fascism for a bit and then she heads upstairs. Which is weird. It's very that's weird. That's not something I would think of as a flirtable topic. Right. But, but they managed to creepily oh, do it. They've taught you a lesson. Uh, about fascism? Well, <laughs> wait till the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Rachel is helping Ma look for some picture that she believes her uh, husband had left in a book somewhere and begins coughing. Uh, and she is asthmatic, it turns out. So Amanjeet is, has taken her to a, a kettle a, to breathe in the steam to help her out. They discuss a bit. It turns out she was a professor, uh, not a servant, until uh, Jews were banned from the professions. And... Uh, yeah, and that... Doesn't she say that to Miss Buck? You're right, it is yeah, Miss Buck. Yeah, she it's talks not to Mrs. Buck about yeah. it. Yeah, so, um... Is this where we find out her husband's a political prisoner? No. No, I don't think so, because I think I wrote that down. Yeah, sorry, but, dudes. Well, That's, spoiler alert. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it's pretty oh, clear yeah. I mean, from it, the way that she's always like, I have a terrible secret. Right. That, you know... She has a variety of terrible secrets. She does have a variety of terrible secrets. Yeah. Yeah, but because Miss Buck is like, uh, should you be working? Right. Because it's all donkey work. Yeah. Because she said exertion sometimes brings on her asthma. And it's like, uh, that's sort of all we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, but she also says that she has friends in the house. And just like, do you? Do you really? I don't think anybody likes seem... you so far. Like, yeah. one of them is definitely prejudiced against you, right? One of them's going to try to steal your silk nightgown, <laughs> right? Like, and you've been there for two days, yeah. But I mean, look, I guess hey. if you fled religious persecution, right? Anybody who's not actively trying to persecute you, you're like, oh, you're my friend, right? She's like, there's only one person here prejudiced against <laughs> me, as opposed to everyone. Yeah, that's so true. she that's... doesn't even know about that yet. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, the doctor comes and is examining Agnes while she just like monologues about, oh, it was springtime once and I was pregnant or, you know, whatever <laughs> the hell she's It's so annoying. Saying. Yeah. It's like, bitch, everybody's been pregnant. Call, <laughs> right. Like literally, that's the reason that the human race exists. <laughs> and I'm, listen, I'm not trying to be insensitive to people with genuine fertility issues. Right. But that's not what is apparently going on here right and it's like well and if you're sharing that medical history with your doctor you don't need to make a damn sonnet out of it no well and the doctor's like i'm being a doctor <laughs> be quiet woman <laughs> get lord grantham on the phone <laughs> <laughs> sir your wife is hysterical <laughs> we've had to put her down <laughs> the baby's fine though yeah uh the baby is due the first week of december and I was like, what day is it? And we find out, actually, in pretty short order, which yeah. I thought was really helpful. Yeah, it was. Like, it was... to the day. Yeah. Spoiler alert, it's going to be June 10th in a minute. <laughs> right, it is. So they discuss the pregnancy at dinner, and Ma's like, oh, we should get some champagne. And Hallam's like, uh, we have champagne all the time. And she's like, I know we do, but she means to send it to the servants downstairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're all drinking it. All the Pritchard's like, it's only Moe. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, does he? is he still not drinking? Is he uh, only having the drink that cheers but does not inebriate? Which we have been saying all the time, by we the way. We really have. <laughs> it's really been our takeaway from that first step. <laughs> yeah. Good question. I didn't check Except for that it. I'm usually too drunk to remember it, so Tom <laughs> right. has to tell me what the quote was. Ah, <laughs> uh, scenes from marriage. Yeah. Uh, and they discuss the fact that Amanjeet does not eat downstairs with them, uh, which we noted was very similar. Yeah, to Mr. Reggie Raj Singh on Mayor House. That's previously right. Previously discussed mm-hmm. on this very podcast. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, but it's... Well, and it's even more murky because Reggie Raj Singh was 
you know, a tutor. Right. And here he's like the secretary mm-hmm. to uh, Ma. Right. And it's like, but where does that, I mean, it's still kind of like a limbo-esque position because it's like he is certainly not a domestic servant but he is a servant right and yeah. he's got that monkey to think about <laughs> well yeah that's true <laughs> how come that monkey never hangs out down there <laughs> yeah. this is speciesism <laughs> the monkey eats in the monkey's quarters that's that monkey right away sir <laughs> <laughs> says feces to fling <laughs> uh, let's see the new king is changing the coronation ball to a garden party boring agreed well he's also going to uh marry wallace simpson so <laughs> i really should get like braced for some big changes yeah well and you know what it's nice that he didn't spend too much money on the coronation ball, given yeah. that circumstance. Yeah, when he was like, ooh, listen, guys, yeah. I'm going to throw everything over for Wallace Simpson and the Nazis. <laughs> so let's just keep it light. Yeah, it's like, you know, if you're going to have a shotgun wedding, don't spend too much on that. Like, save your money for your real marriage later in life. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently, Ma, in <laughs> what she seemed to think was a good idea, has been giving... Percy uh, speeches or writings of Molesley to read. And uh, in a shocking development, Percy's been like, oh, yeah, this all seems like good ideas. Yeah, fascism, I'm all about it. Yeah, and Ma's like, wait a minute, I didn't mean you to read these pro-fascist writings and become a fascist, <laughs> obviously. Well, look, if that's what her real intention was, then she needed to be giving her a much larger variety of things and grilling her on them afterward. Right. Like, look. I don't know what you've heard about Percy Maud. She's a real bitch. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and uh, dumb. Yeah. Which mom basically says, and Percy's like, oh, well, I don't know what that means, but I'm going to <laughs> slink off. <laughs> it's just, oh. <laughs> I wish you could see my face that I'm making. Yeah, it is pretty solid. Yeah. Oh. In our upcoming video podcast, <laughs> that's just all Kelly doing impressions of Percy. That's not bad. <laughs> our purse cast. <laughs> uh, Hallam gets summoned to, uh, you know, his job by Sir Anthony Eden, and Ethiopia has been taken over, or Abyssinia, as they refer to it, has been taken over by Mussolini. I always wondered where the hell Abyssinia was, yeah. and if it was still a country. Thanks for clearing that up for me. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and Hallam's like, oh, Haile Selassie's speech was very emotional. And Eden's like, damn it, he said they were coming for us next. Like, duh. Yeah. Uh, and Hallam's like, oh. Uh, but apparently, the uh, Hallam's been tasked to go receive the exiled Haile, Haile Selassie at the train station or wherever, and at Waterloo. At Waterloo, yes, and drive him somewhere. Like, but like unofficially, like he's not doing it officially as part of the government. Like he is, but he isn't. Right. Like it's not. It's like. It's like if you, like, want to get your shit back from an ex, but you, like, send somebody else to, like, get it because it's like, I don't want you to think that, like, anything's going to happen. Right. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's an awkward development, but that's, that's his job. Yeah. That is the whole point of diplomacy. Right. Like, do the awkward job so nobody else has to do it. Yeah. 
So Hallam has some tea at dawn with Spargo. Which is awkward. It is. Yeah, so how yeah, so Hallam says he's going in his private capacity, which I'm I'm what's his private capacity like being like a lord or something? I guess so. Anyway, yeah, that was I was just like being an Abyssinian enthusiast. <laughs> he didn't appear to be. But anyway President that's President of the Silhouette fan club. What's that guy's name? Highly Selassie. Listen, whenever anybody uses proper names on this show, it's like wah 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 wah. So Percy Percy's her way around the garage and is like leafing through a paper personally and sees Well, it's like the Black Shirts Gazette. It's the fascist uh, okay. newspaper. Yeah, and there's a big ad promoting the upcoming uh, you know, Sir Mosley Speaks, it says. And I just want to be clear, I'm probably not I keep kind of putting in a like making it Mosley, yeah. even though it's not. It's Mosley. Uh-huh. And I don't want to, you know, God knows I've got my issues with Mosley, <laughs> but well, he was no fascist. Yes. Yeah, way better than Sir Oswald Mosley. So Percy checks <laughs> Percy checks Spargo's racy oh, it's pinup calendar. Saucy. Yeah. It's like a lady in a short skirt bending over. Yeah. Like, you can see all of her thighs. Yeah. And sees the date circled of the speech. Uh, Ma and Agnes are comparing prams in the front hallway that Herod sent over. Hallam comes in. And he's like, uh, I don't fucking care. Yeah. Also, we, we don't even have a baby yet. I, leave me alone. Yeah. Yeah, because he is talking to Ma a bit afterwards and just saying he he felt like a heel having to escort Haile Selassie, who was like, so are you going to help me out at all? And he having to be like, uh, I can't no. officially say no, but no. Yeah. And that's, you know, one can see how that might affect somebody. Yeah, poorly. Yeah. Well, I think it turns out, I mean, I think this is actually, this is a change in his character going forward. Mm-hmm. We didn't expect it to be. He was, I mean, because he's been so bland. He gets super awesome this episode. Yeah. Like, we got really excited about him. Yeah. Except for the final shot of the episode. Well, which but, was boring as fuck, yeah, but. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> we see Amanjeet typing, which is his job, and Rachel brings him in uh, his dinner. He says that Ivy usually does that and doesn't bother knocking. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says that Ivy was upset about something and is crying in the scullery. Which is pretty much all Ivy ever does. Yeah. As far as we can tell. Yeah. So, again, this orphanarium that she was in <laughs> really didn't prepare her for the uh, harsh realities of life. Well, clearly. Although, Amanjeet says that he grew up in a servant's compound and, you know, that's just how it is. Somebody's always crying. Yeah. And so they talk a little bit, Amanjeet and Rachel, and they, they bond a bit. And Well, they're both clearly well-educated. Yeah. Which is not the case of most of the other servants. Well, they're both clearly educated, and they're both essentially non-white. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's interesting. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And they talk about the fact that he doesn't eat with the other servants, and she says that, you know, bringing these trays up makes more work for them, and they Mm -hmm. resent you for it, and he says it grieves him, the trays do, and she says, you don't have to accept what grieves you, Mm -hmm. which is, like, true to an extent, although... for you, you did just get literally forced to leave your job and your home. Right. Like, you were forced to accept it. Yeah. But... 
Well, but I mean, I think you can extrapolate from that that she's like, if there's something that grieves you that you can change, yeah. like, absolutely do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Percy tells Spargo that she knows he's going to Mosley's speech and that he's going to be late because he's driving her to La Boheme and is going to have to go a long way. And he's like, well, you know what? I've got a private life, same as you, so I'll mm-hmm. do what I want. And she's like, no, I'll do what I want. Yeah, that's pretty much the Lady Percy story. <laughs> uh, the servants are all listening to the Palm Court Orchestra on the wireless, which caused us to wonder, like, the Palm Court? Right? The the like, Selfridge Palm Court? Right. The one that Fat Thomas runs? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he's still there. <laughs> oh, wait. World War One. Oh, right. This is like, you know, this is like Back to the Future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows? <laughs> Biff Tannen's running the Palm Court. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> McSpargo. Uh, and they're discussing by the sound of the tableware what they think, whether it's china or glass or whatever. Uh, and then Amanjeet comes in and they make uh, Ivy sit on the poof. Which she does. It's like in that scene in Wet Hot American Summer. Where- <laughs> <laughs> Paul Rudd just throws his plate on the floor and Janine Garofalo makes him like pick it up. It's basically that. Yeah, this is the same body language there. So we see the speech and they cleverly stretch their budget by only showing the few people that can't quite fit in the door. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and you hear the speech and you see the big old fascist banner and they do the very like... Uh, like the only it's color kind of like ACDC's thing, actually <laughs> it is yeah uh, but the only color is the red and the fascist banner and the red dress that Percy is wearing because of course Percy shows up and like shoves her way in yeah and it's like a really weird like slow-mo scene and it sounds like they're like playing like a riff on Sweeney Todd like, yeah it's really weird it is really weird like it's like trying to be more dramatic than it's succeeding at being or something. No, it was I feel just like little... there's this weird like romanticizing going on behind the camera that does is not like supported by any other part of this production. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, the the like the costumes or the performances or the sets or anything. Like it's just like why are you doing this? Yeah, yeah. Like just shoot it's a soap opera. Right. Shoot it like a soap opera. Yeah. Don't be a dick. Yeah, no, any yeah, all the touches that like with the like, you know, banister of time from uh-huh. the last episode or all that stuff. Yeah, it's like, just it doesn't work. Yeah. You're not gonna be Downton Abbey. Just like deal with it. Right. <laughs> So, yeah, after the rally, they uh, are having coffee in the car and talking about it. Percy talks about how she despises the rich. And Spargo literally laughs out loud at her, <laughs> yeah. as did everyone <laughs> watching this. Because she's like, no, you know, I'm poor. The only reason I have anything is because it's been, you know, bought for me by somebody. And he's like, you're not poor. You're lucky. Yeah. And she's like, meh, I'm Percy. Meh, meh, <laughs> meh. Because she's such a bitch. She is. Um, yeah, but she is, she's, however, excited about breaking down class barriers. But, you know, uh, he's excited about breaking down class barriers because it means he might have, you know, access to, like, a more reasonable work week 
and better wages, whereas she's excited about it because it means she gets to bang hot chauffeurs. <laughs> well, and also, like, she feels like if you break down class barriers, more people will listen to her whine yeah. for some reason. Yeah, because she can really whine across various socioeconomic <laughs> classes at that point. <laughs> right. <laughs> she can whine with the king nor lose the common wine. <laughs> Yeah, but she's, she had a great time. She pursues upstairs past Rachel and is like, oh, it was a dream. Whatever yeah. she says. I don't know, but it's disgusting. Yeah, it is pretty disgusting. Ivy and Rachel discuss what they do on their off days. Uh, and Ivy, Rachel says she goes and visits friends. Ivy just heads back to her orphanage and yeah. hangs out because she says the matron's still there. Yeah. Um, which that's kind of a bummer. You it know. is kind of a bummer, but uh, that's... Uh yeah that's more <laughs> i don't know yeah i couldn't think of a pun <laughs> yeah i'm sorry cousins i'm all out of puns halfway through and it's like well uh, that's a less say <laughs> <laughs> apparently the matron at this orphanage couldn't sing and has a mustache right and so uh, rachel sings to ivy she sings uh about a ladybird except in german so mm-hmm. whatever the german and to a tune is. by brahms yes. who ivy says oh we don't have him here <laughs> and like rachel for the first time in the entire episode <laughs> seems genuinely amused by something yeah yeah <gasps> um, mrs. mrs buck is mending Agnes's foundation garment, uh, which she would only do once Mr. Pritchard had left. Yes. Like, heaven forbid. Uh, and he's probably got one of his own, that prat. <laughs> he probably does. Which he's, I'm sure, even more eager to conceal from Mrs. Buck. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the cook is cutting out pictures of, uh, society ladies. Well, she's, yeah, and I found that odd. Yeah. Like, why? You cook for those people. She, you I, see them all the time. <laughs> right. I would get a pregnancy montage. Yeah, pretty much for the next six months after June the the 10th, which Mm -hmm. is when Percy went to that rally, uh, all Agnes has done is stand in front of her pregnancy mirror and get (laughs) continuously more pregnant. Right. And Hallam's just sat there on the bed feeling (laughs) bad about Abyssinia. (laughs) So things are progressing. Yeah, it's great. I wonder how that monkey's going to react to the new baby. Oh, yeah. Right? I think there's going to be some friction there. I think there is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. That monkey's probably going to poop on that baby. (laughs) (laughs) This is my baby now. (laughs) Bring us both a grapefruit with a maraschino cherry in it, which is the thing that happened earlier. (laughs) Right. Rachel's out hanging up some laundry and Amanjeet comes and chats her up because she's supposed to be off that afternoon, but she wants to get it into the sun. Uh, and they talk trade laundry secrets for a bit. Because his mother was a laundress. Yeah. And that was how she put him through school. Mm-hmm. He asks Rachel out to tea, and she says, why do you ask me out every week when I always say no? And it's because he doesn't have to accept the things that grieve him. And she's like, good point. Way to turn my words around on me, Amanjeet. Yeah. So fine. I guess I'll finally reveal my big dark secret. Uh-huh. Uh, which is that she has a child. Uh, her, they go and visit her child who's living in a Jewish neighborhood in London and yeah, being with raised. The Zimmermans. The Zimmermans, yeah. Her name is Lotta. Lottie? Lotta? Lotta. Lotta. That's how they pronounce it. Yeah. Yeah, so they have a whole conversation, her and Amanjeet, about, you know, 
uh, life and stuff. And I think this is where she this talks about where, her husband. Yeah, her husband. So his name's Avram, and he is a political prisoner in Germany. And right. she has this weird thing, which is like, I guess it's supposed to be romantic, but I just found it creepy. Because <laughs> she says marriage makes a woman holy to her husband, but they've been gone from each other so long that she no longer feels very holy. Right. And I'm like, I think you're just sad. Like, right. It was, it was a strange way of wording. I mean, like, things. and I understand like a like, lot of religious people feel that way right, about marriage. Right. Like I don't feel holy at all. Being right. Married to you. Well, I understand. Well, you're, you know, not religious. So I <laughs> think that helps. Yeah. I'm no, that's not going to make it easy. No. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, uh, it was all right, but it was, <laughs> but it was like, so, so you're saying Amaji has a chance. Yeah, basically. Right? Yeah, that was what it sounded like to me. Agreed. Listen, I've been shipping these two since that first scene they had together. And right. I was like, yeah. No, it definitely seemed uh, seemed to be on. Let's see, what would their portmanteau be? Amanjichel? Amanjichel? Rachmanjit. I like Rachmanjit. All right. That is the least awkward thing that we've come up with. Yeah. Well, surely we'll have plenty of opportunities. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. not going anywhere. Right. This is going to go great. Yep. Uh, so we see, I did start writing this down, uh, Sparsi. Oh, God. <laughs> they, you like that better than Pergo? Hmm. Well, I wrote down Sparsi. Okay, fine. <laughs> we'll go with your way. Okay. This is, no, actually, In future, please consult me before deciding on this podcast official... <laughs> Ship names. Cousins, do you have an opinion? <laughs> Percy v. Spargo. <laughs> Pergo v. Sparcy. Yeah, Pergo v. Sparcy. This is starting to sound like an Eddie Izzard monologue. <laughs> <laughs> or a Supreme Court case. <laughs> so yeah, they are uh, sensuously listening to a fascist speech on like a record. Like you do. Right. It's perfectly natural. Really creepy. Yeah. Because then she, like, sticks her finger in his mouth. Yeah. And I'm like, I have never. And I've done some weird stuff in my time. (laughs) I've never listened to right-wing speeches and, like, made out. Or even left-wing speeches. Yeah, for that matter. Like, I've listened to no political speeches and found them erotic. Yeah. Like, it was weird. Yeah, we don't approve of this. No. Still less do we improve of what happens next, which is that Spargo comes into dinner wearing his fascist uniform. Yeah. Like, which, and, granted, looks pretty slick. Well, it does. But Rachel immediately, like, jumps up and no, runs. No, she has, like, a physical reaction. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, these people drove her from her home. Yeah. And have her husband in prison. Yeah. Presumably forever. Um and Rachel's like, I won't eat with him. And everybody kind of tries to talk Spargo out of it. But he's like, it's my day off. I'm gonna, it's free yeah. country. My, 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 my. And they're all like, uh, all right, fine, whatever. Well, it's Mrs. Um, Thackeray, mm-hmm. actually, because she says, everybody just ignore him because I have whatever with it is that she's cooking. That dreams night. or yeah, something. Yeah, the timing is very crucial. And so Rachel, like, storms off. Yeah. And then Mrs. Buck brings her some semolina pudding, which... Like, she's like, oh, Mrs. Thackeray meant well. And I'm like, oh, is that why she sent you mush right. to eat? <laughs> I don't know what you people eat, but everybody likes mush. Ugh. No. Not true. Yeah. Yeah, and so Miss, Mrs. Buck tries to, like, clear the air a little or whatever, but Rachel's not super having it, nor um, should she be. No, she absolutely should not be. Yeah. 
Uh, Agnes and Hallam are upstairs. Hallam's listening to the coverage of an upcoming march, which is why he had the uniform on because yeah. he's getting he's in training for this fascist march march that's happening. But Agnes changes the channel because she wants it to just be domestic. Which is and like, Agnes, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, you're having a baby. Isn't that enough domesticity for you? Yeah. And Hallam has all this, like, yarn on his hands. I was confused. Uh, No, that's a thing that happens when people knit, apparently. I don't knit, so you've never had it happen to you. <laughs> right. And you're welcome. <laughs> no, thank you. Believe me, that looked awful. <laughs> no, because he's like, later, it, I don't know if it's this scene, but he's like, can't we just buy clothes? <laughs> right. And I'm like, yes, you can. You can buy all the clothes. You are so rich. Have yeah. you seen that tiara? <laughs> right. No, and it's, I mean, it seems like he's just standing there with his hands in the air like a schmuck for like an hour. Possibly longer. Yeah. So Rachel and Amanjeet arrive. They've come to oppose the march. Yes. Um, and they get there and they see that they, the counter protesters outnumber the marchers. Uh, and Rachel has this great line that made me get a little weepy. Yeah. She said, there are more of them than there are of the black shirts. My daughter will not live on her knees in this country. Yeah. And you're just like, oh my God, you yeah. guys. Cause it was great. It was great. It was really great. Yeah. No, and it was, it was in the East End and all the, yeah. you know, all the people like, no fascists in the East End and yeah. like, you know, shouting them they down. They shall and not pass. Yeah. And, uh, Molesley out, I think. Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah. So then Sparzy rolls up in their car and they're like, and she's like, oh, what I say? And uh, <laughs> Spargo's like, uh, I don't know what you want me to do. Yeah, he wants to park the car. And she's like, but we're nowhere near my staging area. And he's like, there's literally a million people right here. <laughs> right. Like, actively not letting us through. Right. And, like, pounding on our windows and stuff. So but- her mature solution is to make him give her the keys. Mm-hmm. And then she just, like, dashes off. Yeah, and she she's the worst. Yeah, and she manages to find some of the ladies' auxiliary people or whatever. Yeah, and it's funny to think of like the ladies' auxiliary fascists, right? But I mean, you know, it had it had to happen. You know, it yeah. had to exist. Yeah, like who else organized the bake sales? Right. Yeah, she was clearly the prettiest of them too. Oh, so, she was. Which well, I'm sure she helped. made sure to introduce herself as Lady Percy. Yeah. Well, they needed that kind of legitimization. Well, absolutely. You know, they needed yeah. members of the nobility to yeah. be there. So. When it did, and I think we didn't mention it, they had filled out official party cards. Yeah, that was when they were having coffee earlier. Yeah. They were looking at their official registration as members right. Of the and party. I and I think her said Lady on. Yeah, it said Lady Percy. Yeah. Whatever the hell their name is. <laughs> right. It's about to be Spargo. So. <laughs> Yeah, and Spargo gets in line and, like, does his fascist salute as Mosley goes by. And Percy sees Mosley ride by and just about passes out in an erotic passion. She like, has a huge boner for him. And, she, like, she told does. Spargo that. And, right. Uh, Ma. And Ma. She, and it's weird. She cannot get enough. It's... Because he's not cute. Right. She's just... She's weird, man. Like, I don't know what happened to her in her childhood, but she's messed up. Yeah, she got too near the rift. <laughs> She's actually an alien. <laughs> that would actually make more sense than her being who she is. Yeah. Yeah, then we get back to more Winding Wool. Hallam's dead sister liked Winding Wool. Yeah, and we found out about her earlier because when before Rachel had her asthma attack 
and found like she found a picture of Hallam and Pamela. So mm-hmm. we are led to deduce that Ma had had this other child and it was right, a daughter and right. she's presumably dead because literally no one said anything about her until now. Yeah. No, and then, well, yeah, because Agnes is like, oh, tell me about your dead sister. And he does, she's like, never tell me about your dead sister. <laughs> she's the worst. <laughs> yeah. She's really terrible. Yeah, she really is. Uh, so the aftermath of the march, uh, Percy is wandering around. She, oh, yeah, well, there was a riot. Yeah, We yeah. kind of skipped over the riot, but I mean, of course well, there yeah, was a yeah. riot. It was, yeah, but Percy got away with just a cut on her hand. It and yet seem. she's gone into, like, full body shock. Yeah. Well, she never thought anybody would be mean to her. Well, that's true. Yeah. Despite, like, I, that's my favorite thing when people who are, like, total bitches to everyone, then, like, all of a sudden they're like, oh, why is everybody being mean to me all of a sudden? <laughs> right. That's not fair. Especially when they're fascists. Yeah. Amanjeet and Rachel see, uh, they're, you know, walking around very pleased, and they see that the children threw marbles into the street to, like, trip, trip up, up the horses, yeah, which yeah. is pretty great. Yeah. Like, those are some great kids, man. Yeah. They're going to be really helpful during the Blitz. <laughs> yes. Poor little bastards. <laughs> <laughs> well, Godspeed. Uh, and Rachel sees that where people have been painting up anti-fascist slogans, there's still some paint left, so she wants to get her say in. But all she does is write, they shall not pass. And I'm like, yeah, you already did that. Like, maybe write, I'm, you know, Jewish. They and... did not pass. Yeah, or... like something, something useful. Something Yabu, original. nuts to you, Fritzy. Bitch. <laughs> 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 uh, but yeah, she happens to choose. Yabu, nuts to you, Fritzy. <laughs> oh my God. Continue. Yeah. Uh, she happens to choose the door to the shop where Percy had wandered dazedly well, into. Well, she was looking for, like, some cloth yeah. to, like, wrap around her hand. Yeah. And so they see each other through the window and are both, like, shocked because, mm-hmm. obviously, Rachel has been dressing Percy. Right. And Percy uh, has literally never thought about another human being in her entire life. Yeah. And and Rachel like like is like looks she at her and is like she has an asthma attack. Well, yeah, I mean she does, but I mean I felt first she looked at her and was like shocked at first, but then was like, yeah, what? I mean, and then you know the uh, wait, who was like, yeah, what? Percy Rachel was, was. no Rachel. Rachel was. No, Percy was like, oh, what? Huh? And then Rachel was like, oh yeah, I you know, well, I mean they had just her side had just won, yeah. so she would she actually had like a moment of empowerment there. I felt. Yeah. So yeah, because then Percy just ditches Spargo. Like, she hops in the car and drives off. And, and he's, he's, like, five feet behind her. <laughs> right. And he's like, hey! And she's just like, bye! <laughs> I'm in shock! Yeah. So Rachel gets home and is is wheezing badly, and Amanjeet's like, you know, sit down, take care. There's a well, bell there's ringing. There's a bell ringing insistently. Yeah, and Amanjeet's like, don't worry about it. It's, you know, take care of yourself. And Hallam comes down and is like, what the hell is going on? I've got an emergency yeah, to deal with. Yeah, were all the servants allowed to leave at once? Right. That, like, seems... that seems like poor management on Miss Buck's part. Right, agreed. Uh, but the emergency... Because <laughs> well, I thought that uh, right. Dum Dum Yarn Hands was <laughs> losing the baby, and I was like, I just don't want to deal with a miscarriage at this point in the story. Right, like, she's too pregnant. We've already dealt too much with a miscarriage. Yeah. Like, so yeah. fortunately, that's not that is not the, the case. case. Yeah, uh, Hallam has to go bust Percy out of prison 
because Spargo called the police to say that she had stolen the car. (laughs) 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 No, because like they get that Amanjeet has to drive the car back. Right. Because Hallam can't drive. Yeah. And the person's like, oh, I didn't know you couldn't drive. It was so spiffing of you to come get me at, you know, prison. And he's like, uh, I want to make it very clear that I was in a back room negotiating with a police officer that there would never be any record of your arrest. Yeah. And she's like, oh, oh. I sort of imagine London police stations have a designated room for... For, like, the nobility. <laughs> right. I was like, Gotta hey. put him in the nobles room. <laughs> Fresh in your tea, governor. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <laughs> We'd really be happy to. We don't mean to sound so angry. We <laughs> just got bad teeth. <laughs> they, I, they, the, they don't. It's yeah, fine. Their teeth are fine. Yeah. Uh, sorry, everyone. <laughs> They were just busy. They just defeated fascism. We should cut them some slack. Oh, absolutely. I thought we were mostly making fun of the upper classes. Well, yeah, that's we usually that are. part was fine. That's yeah. like the reason the play of this podcast. Right, <laughs> it is. So we'll, we'll keep up with that. Uh, but yeah, Spargo. Well, the, and and Hallam asked Spargo why he was in. He took Lady Percy to the East End. And he's like, well, I have to follow orders, don't I? Uh, typical fascist. Look, yeah, he really could have left it there. But what he adds is just like you did in Waterloo. And yeah, you know what? Even if you guys were bros, right? That would be like stepping like just because you had pre-dawn tea that one time. Yeah, doesn't mean you can start like comparing the struggles like, of a young fascist. Highly salon. Ossie did not get arrested as a result yeah. of what of what Hallam did. Yeah. So then, uh, guess what happens next? What happens next? Rachel dies. Yeah, she's just dead. She's just dead. He just runs downstairs and is like, "Somebody come to our room!" And so Amanjeet goes up and he's very upset because right. uh, Amanjeet was also shipping. Yeah. Um, <laughs> re- Raman Rachanjeet Right Rachanjeet Yeah Yeah. Well Well, I guess it's for the best R.I.P. (laughs) Rachanjeet And Rachel Yeah so he's very upset And she's just died She's just straight up died of asthma Yeah Because I guess that's a thing that would happen Yeah Well I mean I think You know it was Yeah Like yeah That's uh Yeah that's that's rough. Which sucks because she was really shaping up to be an interesting character. And she really was. Like yeah. I was super invested. I was like, "What's going to happen to Avram, man?" Yeah. Um. We may still find out though because cut to her funeral, right? The next day, or you know, at least or they're carrying the body yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. The, like there's a rabbi there and mm-hmm. some other Jewish people there to carry the body out. Right. And uh, her daughter is there. Yeah. And it's very upsetting. Like everybody's just like, uh, what? Yeah, we, she just got here. Yeah, how come they can't hold on to servants, man? <laughs> right? Is this like a is this like a procedural where it's like servant of the week and then <laughs> right. they like die every or week? Get a new servant at the end? shows up and <laughs> yeah, what'll happen to the next one? I don't know. Rapture. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. Upstairs, Hallam burns Percy's uh, fascist card. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, you can burn my card, but you can't burn my beliefs. Or the abortion I'm going to have to have because <laughs> I'm banging the chauffeur. <laughs> yeah. And so everybody uh, bickers. Yeah. Like they do. Well, and I like, I mean, this is interesting. I've enjoyed the political build up to this significantly more than I enjoyed the political build up to um, World War One on Downton Abbey. Because mm-hmm. that, everybody was like blindsided. Like they were talking about it. 
Right. They weren't aware of what was going on. Yeah. Whereas these people, well, and again, communication is so much better at this point. You yeah, know, communication they have the wireless. is so much better. Well, and, and Hallam's directly involved. Yeah. But even, but I mean, even beyond that, everybody involved is more involved. Yeah. So, I mean, they can, you know, they can connect the dots between yeah. the fascists in Germany mm-hmm. and the fascists in Britain and, yeah. you know, what's happened to Sulawesi. <laughs> His name's Haile Selassie. Haile Selassie, fine. He's a god in Rastafarianism. Is he? Well, not. I mean, he's not not quite a god, but he's like a founding like a part of their religion. Yeah, I did not know that. Well, yeah. perhaps I will read a biography of him. Then. Maybe so. Uh, anyway, so everybody can put those dots together, except anyone who is named Percy or Agnes, <laughs> uh, as we're about to find out. Right. I was going to say, or Spargo, but like Spargo knows what he's doing. Spargo knows what he's doing, and he seems a bit chastened at the end of this episode. Yeah, yeah. Like, not completely. Like, he's now got this, you know, hot fascist tale. So, right. he, you know, he's like, oh, I don't want to, like, you know, that's like if you, like, you know, get on Christian Mingle and, like, you lie, and you're like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm totally a Christian. Right. And then, like, you, like, start dating somebody that you really like. Like, you just can't tell him that you weren't a Christian. Right. When you yeah. were a Christian. Or, like, if you were on FarmersOnly.com, it turned out you're, like, just, like, in a gardening club. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, I've got a few acres of soybeans <laughs> those are easy right yeah th- uh, threshing <laughs> machine yeah and uh and a cow i've got one of those yeah oh you know me i'm always hoping it does or doesn't rain <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the servants call Hallam and Agnes downstairs. Yeah, they just do it in the middle of like family alone time, right? Which is really, I mean, it is really interesting. the The barriers between masters and servants have broken down so much. Yeah, compared, I mean, and they have to an extent on Downton Abbey as well, right? But right. I mean, this is, I mean, because like you know, if you look at Downton Abbey, wait, that's the new season. Anyway, oh yeah, well, well whatever. Yeah, but sure. like you know. It's pretty rare for, like, the lord of the house to go below stairs. Right. If ever. I don't think Lord Grantham's ever been below stairs. I think you're right. Yeah. So anyway, so for Helen and Agnes to both go down there is, like, kind of a big deal. Yeah. And they do. And the servants are like, "Uh, so there's this child here. And uh, apparently he can't. She can't stay with the Zimmermans because they weren't friends. They were getting paid. Yeah, they were being paid to raise her. Yeah, and if they ain't getting paid, they're not raising her anymore. So then Agnes, being uh, completely tone deaf, yeah, is like, oh well, we'll just put her on a train back to Germany. Right. And literally everyone else, like possibly even Percy, is like, <laughs> yeah. There's like a record scratch yeah. <laughs> from the Sir Oswald Mosley speech that's yeah. playing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. I know. That's okay. Uh, yeah. So everybody's like, we're what? And Hallam just like yeah. springs into action. He's like, uh, we're going to take care of this kid since, uh, our participation in fascism in this house yeah. led to her death. Yeah. Uh, and everybody's like, okay, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Except for Agnes. Cause like then they're upstairs and she's getting ready for bed and she's like, I'm so tired of all the time. Like anytime anything happens, I have to like deal with it. Yeah. And oh my God, what does she say? Well, she's saying that he, he's saying you have to understand the situation, what it would mean to send her back to Germany. She's like, Oh, I always have to understand. And I always have to like keep Absorb up. Absorb and, and conceive. Right. Is what she said. That's right. Which well, is incidentally exactly how you get pregnant. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, I'm sorry if this one time I'm not, now I have to be responsible for the welfare of a stranger's child. 
And Hallam just says, I would have thought it would be obvious. Yeah. 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 Listen, we're super team Hallam. We really hope Agnes like dies in childbirth <laughs> and it's just him and Ma and then like Percy, you know, rides off into the sunset with what's his name and then gets called up for a tribunal and right anyway well they can go run off with uh wallace simpson and uh and the, king. Ed- and, the yeah. king and just go all be despised fascists forever yeah i mean you know if you're gonna do it i guess it's good that they're all rich oh and i'm sorry percy's poor <laughs> yeah she's super poor guys well wallace is doing all right she can you know oh, yeah she can get, get she can wallace's spare- secondhand oh dresses God, remember when Madonna made that movie about Wallace Simpson oh and everybody was like, why do you not understand anything about British history? She was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, she said, what? Because she's British now. <laughs> right. She lives in England. Or she did. I don't know. I don't know. She's really... Guys, can we talk about Madonna for a second? Like, well, I was on board with her all the way up through, like, Ray of Light era. But then she just went completely batshit crazy. Yeah. I mean, uh, she wasn't super sane to begin with. Right. Yeah. She didn't have that great of a starting point. Well, but I mean, you know, it was always going to happen. Like, she did an incredible job of maintaining her shtick for as long as she did. It's true. But it was always, you know, doomed at some point. That's I mean, that's true. just life. Yeah. I mean, she's not Michael Jackson, so I guess we can all be, like, grateful for that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. Man, married to Guy Ritchie for, like, I would just, like, to be a fly on the wall for that. Like, did he ever meet her? <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine her saying to her agent, like, I just want to be a British citizen. <laughs> Find me a husband. And Guy Ritchie's agent called him up. He's like, uh, by the way, you're married to Madonna now. <laughs> 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 I can't think of a relevant Guy Ritchie quote. Right now. Uh, you no, know, I know. That's a shame. <laughs> it didn't have much marriage involved in any of his movies. No, most of those people were unmarriable. Right. Yeah. yeah. Except for maybe the kids. They, were they weren't on a good path. <laughs> They were not of marriageable stock. No. <laughs> anyway, right back to yeah. this. So, uh, Sparsy Cuddle, that's still going on. She likes how now they're going to be underground and secret. Oh my god, what a fucking hipster. Yeah. Ugh. It's rough. Yeah, he, this is where he, like, he seems happy about the snuggling part, but he's like, ugh, like, right. this all seems like, well, and plus, she ditched him. Like, she's very uh, yeah. hot and cold on this whole Spargo thing. Right. So, who... Well, and look, as soon as a marriageable chap comes along... Yeah. I mean, and granted, she'll try to keep him on the side. Well, sure. But it's just going to end so badly. Yeah. Oh, this is not a good situation, This is no. a terrible situation. Right. Yeah, because this family is not going to be as accepting of her running off with the chauffeur as Downton Abbey. Not at like, all. Like, these people make Lord Grantham look like you know a communist basically <laughs> right uh yeah although how Hallam's turning things around but still yeah you know he doesn't have that much power yeah like the power is all residing with ma yeah and we're not sure where she's gonna like direct her energy so uh, and you know that monkey's the power behind the throne that's true <laughs> yeah but i do appreciate that they're showing us how actual people make fascism happen right because like our generation you know we grew up like 40 years after the end of world war two mm-hmm. and so for us nazis were just boogeymen right you know they weren't people that we went to church with mm-hmm. who were like oh you know that adolf hitler's got some you know cracker jack ideas right and um yeah it's it's just like cool to see that develop even as it's horrific yeah like it's really really awkward to watch these scenes because you're like you guys yeah it's so bad right 
Like it's so bad. It's pretty bad. It's awful. Yeah. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. It's terrible. Right. We're definitely anti-fascist. Yeah. Again. Yeah. This is an strong political anti-fascist <laughs> podcast. No, and I mean it's you know this is what was it 1934 in that range. Yeah. I mean it's just you know because that's the other thing I think in the way that history was presented to me, you just kind of think of like 1939 just happening. Right. And not seeing this gradual buildup and kind of all of the players on the map moving into place. And, yeah. you know, it's just, it's very, well, even just talking about uh, how... Highly Selassie. Highly Selassie. Listen, if I said it like 14 times. But uh, yeah, fair enough. We're recording this live. Yeah, we are. Highly Selassie. Like, that's a story I had never heard. Mm, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah. even in my Well, very... I never, I mean, and I knew, you know, the basics about it, but it had never occurred to me that he was exiled to London. Yeah. Or, you know, what happened to him yeah. after the, that. So, yeah, yeah, anyway, so it's really cool and a really a great point in this show's favor because yeah. we do have some issues with it. Right. Uh, but it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And Hallam's reaction is really like, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, there's actually an aristocrat at the head of this family with a conscience? Like, that's exciting. Right. Like a real conscience, not a, oh, I didn't do my bit for the wall kind of conscience. Yeah. A conscience that's not entirely self-serving. Right. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, just to wrap things up, we see uh, Lata sleeping with Ivy who sings her that song the ladybird song yes. and it's cute but it lasts for far too long wow like because like the you know lata does not react at all right and like again you know mira reed is like da 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 <laughs> and then we get this long shot of hallam like throw oh because what prompted him to like be like oh we're gonna save this baby yeah was her handing him the three marbles that Amanjeet had picked up at the, right. the side of the rally. So he's now in the foyer, just like rolling these marbles around. Yeah, and we really could have done that without both of those. Her yeah. giving them to him and then him rolling them around like, like that. Nobody, like, neither one even, of you know the, the significance of those marbles. Right. Nor do I understand. Like, I don't even understand what you're trying to do yeah. with that show. Like, no, because like, it's like, what is that about children? It was like, like one for your fetus, one for Pamela, <laughs> one for Lada. It like, was like, well, I was going to send you off to certain death, but then you randomly handed me some marbles and I had a change of heart. Listen, it doesn't matter why he had the change of heart. Yeah, yeah. Because he's had a change of heart and now he's going to be awesome. Right. Well, and because it clearly wasn't about the marbles. So why were they yeah. in there? Yeah. Anyway, so we'll figure it all out. We will. Um, yeah, but we're, uh, we're now weirdly invested in this. Yeah. So again, we're not totally sure when we're going to... Get back uh, it to could it now. Be, it could be any time. <laughs> well, it could be. It could be. I mean, I really think... You won't know the day nor the hour. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, until we tell you. Right. I really think let's try and get back on. Oh, got I agree. The, the Empire you know, exhibit. Yeah, yeah. The, we got the wind that shakes the barley. Which oh, I yeah, think we we'll got enjoy. a lot of great stuff that we actually are really excited about. Right. It's just the prospect of spending ten hours <laughs> on the road working on it is very challenging. Yes, it is. Uh, at any rate, we will be back in two weeks with a long thing. Right. Uh, if you're listening to this in real time, our instant take. We mentioned this. Uh, on the Facebook and Twitter accounts, but we are going to be a bit late because our plane is going to be in the air at pretty much exactly the time that we would normally be watching right. Downton Abbey. So we'll get that up as soon as we can, like yeah. by, by Tuesday evening for sure. Yeah. Um, but we can't make any promises. Right. Because it's a very crazy week when we get back. It is. 
Um, yeah. But we're super excited to watch it, so rest we are, assured. We're really excited, so yeah. don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's it. Okay. So until next time, up, up yours, yours downstairs. downstairs. Luncheon out. <laughs>